conversation for powerful people who want to have their best love life possible, whether single or couple. Stick with me and learn why loneliness isn't contingent on whether or not you have a partner and how loneliness can be cured from the inside out. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are watching or listening. Now, let's do this. So can we control our emotions? Can they be controlled? I actually just did this topic in a TikTok video and it was in response to another TikTok creator. And I wanted to be able to continue the conversation because I felt like I really didn't get to touch on it in a, in a deep way in the little TikTok three minutes. But here's what the video is so you can check it out first. What's up, sweet baby? I'm Candace Harper, relationship coach and hypnotherapist. And I want to respond to a beautiful creator. Her name is Gracia. And she had put up an original video where she was sad and disappointed and tearful because someone that she really liked, she had set what I think is a sexual boundary with them. And it was, it was seeming as though they'd ghosted her. So they hadn't uh, texted her back or called her back. And so she was feeling upset about it. And one of the commenters on that video said, no one can hurt you unless you give them the power to hurt you. Basically, you know, her badge of honor that she's she's not vulnerable. She's put up her wall of vulnerability. <laughs> and so Gracia made a really great response video about how it, it is important to be able to be vulnerable in relationships. That is what relationships are. And so when you're vulnerable, you are setting yourself up for hurt. But one of the comments that I made, and another thing she said was, oh, you know, we can't control our emotions, that they're something that we experience. And I absolutely agree with that. But one of the things I also believe is that the, although we can't control our emotions, we can control our beliefs, our paradigms, our mindset about things. And our beliefs are what dictate our emotions. So in particular, things like woundedness, sadness, and grief. When someone does or says something that triggers these, these feelings in us, what they're unknowingly doing is alerting us to what is lacking in our relationship with ourselves, what we think about ourselves, what our beliefs are. So it speaks to our beliefs and our paradigm. What do I believe about myself? Do I place importance on the approval of others? Is there a past trauma that made me feel worthless that the person that's in front of me is not dredging up? In particular, this very beautiful creator, she, you know, her brief, like I said, her previous post was a very tearful post about setting a boundary for herself and seemingly being ghosted afterwards. So it felt like a punishment, like it was punitive. And so emotions stemmed from a belief about setting up boundaries. And I wonder if sometime in the past or as a young girl, did she set up a boundary or say a no and there was punishment behind it? Did she stand for herself and there was punishment behind it? And that's what she's conditioned to believe, that there's an unsafety around setting up boundaries, right? So... It does feel scary often when we set up boundaries and we've been taught not to or we've been punished for setting them up in the past or we've been taught that we have to be nice and not stand up for ourselves. It can feel very scary and it can feel like we're going to get a negative reaction and if we believe we're going to get a negative reaction, 
it's hard to give a person time to believe us, to trust us, to digest what we've said. And often in love relationships, when we set a boundary, that other person needs time to process it. And so, you know, with that assumption that others won't be able to roll with it and feeling that rejection before the rejection comes, we dictate an outcome with those emotions. So I say all of that to say it is possible to control your beliefs. It is possible to control your paradigm. It's all in the healing. And I love you so much. I hope I brought clarity. All right, my loves. Take care. And so what I didn't get to say at the end, or I guess I could have made a part two, but what I didn't didn't say within the three minute um, time span, I didn't really talk about how once we, um, you know, the healing of the beliefs, once we heal the beliefs, they then will um, uh, inform more valuable, more um, workable emotions. Right, so if I start really believing that my boundaries and when I set a boundary that it's a good positive thing and I start to stand for that, I start to feel good about that, I don't necessarily ruminate or get upset wondering how someone else is gonna be able to take that boundary because I can say to myself, if they can't be with my boundary, they're not the right person for me and that's okay, I can be okay with it, right? I can actually even be happy about it because then I've got the strong indicator of whether somebody aligns with me or not. If someone is like, oh, I get that boundary, and you know, like I mentioned in the video, hers was a sexual boundary. So she's just getting to know this guy, and the sexual boundary that she set was, I, I, you know, I don't wanna sleep together right away. Totally reasonable, that's a reasonable boundary to set. And so if the guy was like, all right, then I don't ever wanna deal with you again, or he never came back again, then she got to weed him out, and that's great. That's an opportunity, that means she's now open for who is good for her, who is gonna be possible, who is gonna understand, who is gonna get it. And I know that doesn't, you know, when we tell someone something about ourselves and then they reject or they walk away, that doesn't negate the fact that we somehow feel that rejection or we feel that, that abandonment or that having, having been left on some level. No matter what your attachment style is, you'll feel that on some level. But when you are um, strong in your belief, knowing that the boundaries that you set do align with who you are and you trust who you are and you trust your choices around that sort of thing, it, it definitely takes a lot of the sting out of it. It doesn't feel so hurtful. It doesn't feel so personal. If you start to understand that that's about them and not about you, which is a fantastic thing. But what I wanted to talk about was the healing of beliefs and how do we even heal beliefs? Like, like, you know, if we can't control our emotions, which I don't believe that we do, and like I said in the video, this creator made a really great video about that it's something we experience. It's not something that we can, you know, oh, I'm feeling angry, let me, let me hurry up and shift that. I mean, we can calm ourselves down. We can definitely slow ourselves down around it. But the, the emotion arising is something that we often don't have control over because they're arising from something that we believe, like I talked about in the video. So if my beliefs are such that they cause or inform me to have emotions that then affect how I experience the world. So let's say I believe that something that you said to me, you know, it triggers something I'm already shaming myself about. And so I lash out at you. And then your response to my lashing out is, I don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> And then I turn around and say, well, you know, people always leave me or, um, 
you know, people can't be with my pain or when I'm hurt, you know, no one knows what to do with that. Like I then turn around and, and negate the fact that it is my expression of my experience that causes my experience, right? So I'm not responsible for you needing to walk away, but when we lash out at people, we become on some level an abuser, even if we feel justified in the lashing out. And if they stay for it, they're staying for the abuse, right? So if I believe something that you said triggers something within me and then I lash out at you, I have to take responsibility for my, my sphere in that. So you may or may not have meant to trigger something in me. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that do try to do that, especially people you've been in a relationship for a long time. But what we can do is, is develop such an understanding of solid love and peace within ourselves that their ability to do that becomes um, uh, impotent, right? And so often when it does, if we're dealing with someone who is actually out to hurt us, once they realize that they're, we're impervious to that because we now trust and love ourselves and we are self-accepted and we don't need their approval anymore, Usually if they still need to be doing that, they go and find somebody else to do that with, right? But I'm going, as I do, I'm going on a tangent. I don't mean to be doing that. I just want to talk about some typical beliefs that we often have that can be healed and you know some possibilities for how they can be healed. Now, caveat, as I always say, I don't think that we are light switches. I don't think that we can believe something in a moment and then, I mean, it's not impossible, but generally speaking, if we've been believing something for a long time, we've got to start uh, believing something new in practice. We've got to start getting aware of when that belief is creeping up and then making shifts and adjustments as we get aware of it. We have to just be willing to, to you know, practice something new. It's like a yoga practice. You don't start off being able to do all kinds of positions. You build flexibility around it. It's the same thing around our unworkable beliefs. You gotta build flexibility around them. So let's talk about some beliefs that we can heal so that, that the new beliefs can support us with healthier and more loving emotions. Emotions that actually have us create what we want rather than have us you know, pushing people away or hurting people or, or just sitting in our hurt and not understanding why that's the case. So one um, of the beliefs, the first belief that I came up with is, you know, back to this creator, my boundaries will leave me hurt or rejected, right? So, so I think what she experienced is so common for all of us. And I don't, I don't want to genderize it because I think we all go through it. The idea that if I set a boundary for myself, if I stand up for myself, if I say this thing is not going to work for me, that I will get rejected and that that's a problem because it will leave me hurt. So how do I heal the belief that's there? Well, what is the belief? My boundaries, boundaries are scary because my boundaries will cause people to leave me, right? So if I'm afraid that people will leave me based on my boundaries, there's where the healing needs to begin. Because obviously, like I said in the video, at some point in my history, someone taught me that. That was conditioned into me somehow that boundaries mean punishment. And whether it was I was a little kid and I refused to eat all my broccoli or I didn't want to take a bath or you know, I, you know, someone was trying to push me into something I wasn't ready for or was afraid of or I was forced, pushed you know, as a child, forced to do something that I didn't want to do. 
Um, it, it's very common that that sets up this idea as I get older that I'm not worthy of boundaries. I'm not worthy of being able to stand for myself. I can't say no to people, otherwise they may not like me. Um, and that can happen when we're young with other kids as well. Like if I'm not down to go along with what other kids are doing, then I learn that when I say no, nobody likes me. I don't get to hang out with the cool kids. You know, so it, a lot informs as we're growing up that says, don't stand up for yourself. Don't be a no. Always be nice. Always make sure the other person is pleased with your decisions or your choices. Always make sure that you're giving people what they want as much as you possibly can. So boundaries, setting boundaries and saying, no, that's not for me. No, I, you know, I don't want us to sleep together right away. No, you know, the, the ideas that you have for how we hang out or the amount of time we spend together are whatever it may be, that's, that's not gonna work for me because maybe that's not where I'm at, that's not my stage in life right now. You know, being able to say all of those things can be very, very frightening. So, what do we do? How do we overcome that so that there's not so much emotion fueled behind the setting of those boundaries? We make a practice of it. We practice, and that's all we can do is practice. Now, that doesn't mean go around just saying no just for the sake of saying no. If you wanna say yes, say yes. But be really aware with yourself. Like, am I, am I saying no for myself wherever I need to? Am I, and it doesn't always have to be saying no. It could be, am I offering a different solution than what they're asking of me? Am I helping to create a win-win by still, you know, protecting what I need to protect around myself, whether it be my time or my energy? or you know just my my want to have fun and pleasure you know sometimes we say yes to things that are going to be so you know grueling or going to be drudgery or we know we're not going to enjoy it or we know we're not going to bring our best to it but we say yes you know because we we are afraid to set those boundaries so the way to heal it practice 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 get clear about what boundaries are because they're not something that you set on other people Telling people how they need to behave or what they need to do in order to be with you or you know, setting ultimatums and all of that stuff, that, those are not healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries are when I decide for myself what I'm, I'm willing to engage with. I choose and I, I stand in my word about it. So if I say, you know, like, like this creator, and she, she's just such a good example because I feel like it's something that happens to all of us and I know in my younger years it happened to me as well. So if I say I'm not ready for a sexual relationship, then I have to align with what I say is to be true for me, right? So I can't say, oh, no, 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 I'm not ready for a sexual relationship and then jump into a sexual relationship, right? Because that's not a help, I'm not setting healthy boundaries. I'm teaching that person that my word means nothing. So going along, however, the relationship progresses, what that person has learned from me is that I just say things. They don't really mean anything. So whenever that person might want something from me or want things to go a certain way, they will cross over my boundaries because my I, I allow a crossing over of my boundaries, right? We can set that up in any kind of relationship. So get clear about what a healthy boundary really is. And that's what I choose to do for myself, what I choose to engage with, and what I choose to align with going forward, how I stay in my word around that boundary. And then incorporate it into your life regularly, right? So where in my life in general can I just keep my word? If I say this is what's gonna happen, 
that's what happens. So when I'm practicing that, and it doesn't always have to be uh, necessarily a boundary that you're setting you know, with someone. It can be that I'm just someone who does what I say I'm going to do. The more I practice that sort of thing, the easier it is to sit in my boundaries, to sit with my boundaries, and let whoever you know, moves in and out and through it, let them go when they need to go, let them stay when they wanna stay. Because that's how you're going to get the best possible people in your life. It's going to be those people that understand, you know, how you want to be, who you want to be, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and loves and accepts you anyway. Right? It's going to be those people who are, you know, in agreement with how you feel. Or if they're not in agreement with how you feel, they can accept it. They can be okay with it. They can compromise with you. They can create win-wins with you. Even better, if they don't necessarily agree and you're able to create a win-win with that person. That's partnership, that's relationship, right? So that's that one. Another belief that I think for women in particular, and I came across that this week with a, a client, and it, it's so funny because I always, I always feel like, you know, these are all commonalities across, sort of across the, the um, you know, the field of, of, you know, women, those of us who identify as women, women who date men, um, and then also sometimes with men as well. So this idea that I need an alpha male. So when I was matchmaking, a lot of times what people would say, what women would say is, I want an alpha, alpha man with a beta heart, which, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> and the translation is usually, I'm so bossy and strong-willed that I need someone who can deal with that. Someone who can deal with how bossy and strong-willed I am. Someone who knows how to like lovingly put me in my place. Someone who's going to be more powerful than I am. Someone who's going to be more efficient and organized maybe than I am, depending on what's most important to you. And that belief within itself is very self-sabotaging and can cause a lot of negative emotions and a lot of unworkable emotions just because it can be frustrating to feel like that's how it has to be and then to begin relationships with people who are um, you know, at their different levels of their journey and their different levels of strength. And the fact that strength can show up in so many different ways, that strength is not always being able to chop wood and tell you to shut up and cook me a meal. Like that strength is, is actually being able to be with my emotions and um, speak vulnerably about what's really going on with me to um, you know, make a plan and still be able to roll with it if the plan doesn't work out. It's you know, someone who's resourceful, innovative, creative. I mean, those are all very, very powerful things that if someone has those things, they don't always look like whatever alpha male behavior is. And as a matter of fact, a lot of times people who are self-proclaimed alpha males are actually the most insecure among us. You know, the men who have to sort of posture masculinity rather than just actually being, you know, being someone who's in his creativity, being someone who is um, protective, someone who is generous and, you know, providing and innovative, like I said, can, can solve problems, isn't flustered, easily flustered. <laughs> you know, that, there's strength in not being, in being able to, you know, roll with how life goes, flow with how life goes, and not be in fluster. Right, just know, okay, I'm gonna readjust, I'm gonna, you know, remake things. But oftentimes, 
we, when we're looking for alpha qualities, we overlook men who really do have that, and I talked about it last week, that quiet confidence of being able to say, this is what's going on with me right now, this is how I feel right now, I'm figuring this thing out, or I'm, um, you know, super creative, or whatever it may be. So I think it's important, the way to heal that belief is to be sure that you're not, you're not confusing communication, vulnerability, ease, ease with weakness, right? Because I think a lot of times women, those of us, when we get very powerful, when we're in that mindset of I need an alpha male, I need somebody who's stronger than I am, we're thinking that there, there's a level of power and work and, and uh, control dynamic that has to be there when really love and romantic love, what makes it good is, yeah, there, is, there can be a, a level of power and exchange of power and things like that. But at the base of it, at the support of it, the foundation is ease. Love is ease. <laughs> it's not, you know, hoping somebody's gonna call you. It's not wondering if they're manipulating you. It's not, um, you know, being wrenched around like a rag doll, which that can be very sexy if that's what you consent to, that's what you agree to in your sex life. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, oftentimes we confuse somebody who is sexually aggressive, you know, and that we kind of have to work for because they're so powerful and they, you know, they're so um, large and in charge within the relationship and their personality is so big that, that you know, I, I can look up to them and they can boss me around. We look for that, but that is not loving connection. That is not what romantic love, fulfilling romantic love really is, which is why a lot of those relationships crash and burn so quickly. So, you know, and there's a lot of that power struggle of trying to get him to be the right guy for me, when meanwhile, I mean, you'll never be able to do that because he's off on his own. He's doing his thing. He's alpha mailing it, <laughs> right? Whatever alpha mailing is. So you want to, in order to heal that belief around, I need an alpha male, Know that, know that you are not confusing things like communication, vulnerability, and ease with weakness, right? Because a really strong man, a man who is in his, in his strong masculinity, is a communicator. He is a provider. He makes things easy for you. <laughs> he makes things easy for you. If he loves you, if he likes you, if he wants to be in your space, a strong man will make things easy for you. And so that's the kind of thing that you want to be looking for and, and releasing that belief that he's got to show up with, you know, a big beard and an ax and split wood and, you know, throw me on the bed. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but, you know, we want to stop looking for the superficial things like finding strength in the superficial things. And another belief, my body is wrong. Now that's a very common one because we live in a society that's constantly telling us that we need to have a bigger butt, bigger boobs, a smaller waist, thinner thighs. You know, I don't know how a thigh gap and a big booty, I don't know how that works out, but somehow, surgically, often it does. We live in a culture where there's a lot of expectations on what we look like and not just for women anymore. I mean, for men just as much. I'm generation X, so I remember a time where it was very heavily focused on women, 
what what it's what you need to look like but these days i feel like men fall under that same level of pressure because it's really about consumerism right if you need things i can sell you things if you feel like you're lacking if you feel like you're missing something i can sell you something to fix it right so this idea this belief that my body is wrong so many unworkable self-sabotaging emotions come from the idea that my body is wrong that i'm too fat I'm too skinny, my boobs aren't big enough, my butt's not big enough, things aren't riding high enough, I gotta get things done to it. And even if I get things done to it, there is that, that instant gratification of, oh, I look better than I did before in my mind. I look more like whatever is the, the cultural uh, desire right now. I'm starting to look like that so I can feel better about that. But there still is those underlying sort of, you know, something was wrong that I had to fix. And so when I fix it, then I look for the something else that's wrong because it's the belief. It's not the actual reality. It's not the state, right? So, so that's why a lot of people um, get body dysmorphia and a lot of people, you know, they'll continue plastic surgeries like well past their actual, you know, value. <laughs> And, and you know get to a point where they look absolutely crazy because the belief is still there my body is wrong and so how to heal it this one can be so challenging for many of us and we need to stop kidding ourselves that lasting change things that we want to change about ourselves can only come from harsh self-criticism that harsh self-criticism thing we got to get aware of that and and you know that's where the healing is it usually came from somewhere that harsh self-criticism, whether it was how we grew up, how we were conditioned, whether we were rejected when we were young, um, a perfectionistic attitude about things, feeling like I'm not okay unless I'm a, a size two. Um, and even when I do get to a size two, I still find a way to, to beat myself up in some other way. There's still something else I'm feeling that is not enough. And it is that belief of I'm not enough, right? And if you've ever struggled with loving your body, you know that it's the judgment and the criticism and the, the expressions of self-hatred that actually perpetuate all the detrimental things that we do to our bodies. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that because you go and get a little snip snip or get your boobs done or something like that, that you are self-hating and, and you know, that you're dysmorphic and whatever. It's, it's you know, as I'm doing these things, what is my belief behind it? And can I recognize when it's a continuous belief of I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Am I doing the things I'm doing because that's what's playing in the background? Because that's what's not gonna go away unless you heal it. And you can't heal that under a surgical knife. You can't heal that with a diet. You can't heal that with you know, any exercise regime. You can't heal that with gastric bypass. You can't heal I'm not enough with the things that you do externally. Right, because you're either I'm not enough is going to start focusing on something else about you, or it's it, you'll never do enough around whatever it is that you do to make you feel feel at peace about it. Right, you've got to heal the I am not enough that self hatred thing, because that's what will perpetuate the continual you know what you do to your body. I know I'm going in all different directions with these different beliefs, but I really wanted to pinpoint how when we heal them, when we transform them, we get to have a different sort of emotional landscape, right? We don't have to walk around so ashamed, so bothered, so easily offended, so ready to fight 
so um, you know, like a, like a like an egg without a shell, like ready to break because it's it all comes down to what are we believing? What are we believing about ourselves? And so that leads into the next one. So this next one, and this is the last one, the belief that people need a smackdown. <laughs> when people don't agree with me, I gotta smack them down. I gotta tell them off. I was just sort of in a back and forth on a Facebook group that I belong to where um, you know one of the people in the group, she wrote a whole post, it's kind of a victimized post where she ended up telling the other person to do better. And, you know, I get it. That's a, a popular social, social media phrase, like do better. You know, we want people to do better. But when you're interacting with people and causing partnership and relationship, you know, those kinds of like uh, catchy, shaming kind of ways of being, they can be very um, disempowering to the partnership and the relationship. And what they cause is for the other person to feel shame, feel defensive, you know, and they come back with defensiveness. And I really tried my best to sort of, you know, give constructive feedback around why that's unworkable, but apparently it didn't land very well. So she laid the smack down on me, honey. She told me off, which I'm okay with. I mean, you know, I have to be accountable for however I said it, that's what it caused in her. So someone who was shaming someone did not want to be shamed. Surprise, surprise. So, so often we're out here just, you know, saying whatever we want to say to people and coming out of our face. But then if someone comes out of their face at us, we're like, rah, like, <laughs> don't talk to me like that. <laughs> so that is a very disempowering belief as far as relationships and partnerships are concerned. And, you know, being able to build with people, create win-wins with people, even when people disappoint us, there's a way to communicate with people that is very impactful, you know, letting people know that, that, you know, what they did doesn't work for you. It comes from being inquisitive, not assuming things, um, understanding that we're all adults, right? And so, you know, a lot of the message that I wrote was about how we are conditioned basically by how we were raised. And if you ever know an adult who's very shaming of other adults or says things that are like, you know, bitchy, biting, a little bit cunty, you know, comes out of their face in a way that, that's just not so nice. Usually that's how they were raised. They were raised with criticism or shaming. They may not, you know, may not have used the same words or whatever, but that's where that comes from. A lot of times, you know, parents believe, especially parents of older generations, believe that that's how you make a child better is by constant criticism, consistent criticism, right? And if that's the way we're raised, then that's the way we're gonna be with other adults. I know from my own experience, cause I was always that snap, neck snap and tell you off kind of girl. I'll tell you off in an email. I'll tell you off, you know, face to face. I'll tell you off on the phone. I needed to get the last word, you know, be louder than the other person, all of that stuff. And it comes from, that's what I was raised with. If you do something wrong, I'm gonna make you wrong. And so as adults, we often grow up and that's how we, we interact with each other. But then what happens is, we end up with, with relationships that don't work. We end up not being able to create a win-win. We end up putting ourselves out, like having to go you know, even further and find other solutions rather than you know, being in, in a leadership role, being in a, you know, not saying that we all have to walk around like angels, like we're perfect and never say what we feel. I think it's okay to let somebody know if something feels wrong to you, but 
you know, how we were, were set up in this particular group is, is you know, being business-minded, being a leader. So if we take romantic relationships out of it, the way that we communicate with each other, it's really important that we be able to come from a, a stoic, I'm not trying to fight you kind of way and understand that there is constructive criticism that is not about me getting the satisfaction of um, you know, stomping on you for putting me out, right? So if you wasted my time, I don't have to stomp you down. But what I can do is give you constructive feedback about it. I can make a decision not to work with you anymore. I can just set a boundary around it that you know, I really wanna work with people who do what they say they're gonna do. And what I offer for you in that conversation is the possibility of doing better. <laughs> but when I just tell you do better, I basically am dismissing you and not offering anything as far as uh, expression of my own leadership. I'm not building anything. I'm just basically burning it down. Right. So I am actually doing what you've done if you were out of integrity with me. So that belief that people need a smackdown, that is definitely something to heal, particularly if it did come from your parents, that criticism, that judgment, wherever it came from. If you were walking around feeling like when someone does wrong, you need to tell them off, there's some healing to be done around that. And how to begin the healing around it is take a look at the places where you're doing that. Are you doing that in places where you want to thrive and prosper? Are you telling people off in relationships? Are you dating people if you don't like them having sort of not so nice and bitchy things to say? And this is not to um, give excuse or validate anyone else's behavior that doesn't work, but by, you know, I did a whole show, what, weeks ago about matching energies. When we match energies with people, what we do is, is have ourselves exactly where they are and getting the results that they get as well. And so no one gets to rise, no one gets to win. But when we're willing to stand in who we say we are, everybody gets to win. Because whether they wanna take your constructive feedback or not, whether they wanna have an understanding of why things, you know, something they did didn't work or whether they wanna have that or not, your ability to stand in what is workable is what yields the power around the energy of the relationship. And so they often will walk away if you stay in your word and say, look, you know, this didn't work for me. This was the impact, you know, because you didn't say, you didn't tell me what was going on. You didn't communicate, whatever the case may be. This was, was you know, what didn't work for me. So I'm gonna go ahead and move on with somebody else and I wish you the best. What you offer for that person is the opportunity to learn and to grow. And that works in relationships, it works in business partnerships. And it's not that you owe them that, but by offering that, you are, are learning and growing yourself. You are expressing your leadership. You are becoming more and more powerful and stronger. But when what you offer is uh, you know, sort of a negative reaction, a match of their energy, uh, falling out of integrity because they've fallen out of integrity, nobody wins. Nobody wins. You might feel like an instant gratification of, oh, I won, I told that person off. Nobody wins. Anyway, so those are four beliefs and there are a myriad of others. I'm sure that if you thought about it, you, you could come up with stuff on your own. I know I could come up with a ton more because we all have them. We call them disempowering beliefs, but they are the things that dictate and inform our emotions. And so if you want better emotions, if you want emotions that actually cause what you want, rather than emotions that cause what you don't want, 
The idea is to look at, at your beliefs, question your beliefs. What is my relationship with myself? What am I believing about this thing that the fact that that person did what they did made me so triggered and so angry and so sad? I gotta be willing to ask myself those questions so that I can have a better, a better experience, a better experience of my relationships and my love life. Cause you got me feeling emotions. I cannot sing like Mariah Carey in the 90s. And I don't think Mariah Carey can sing like Mariah Carey in the 90s. <laughs> Let me stop, she's amazing. Anyway, that's it for now. You know my program, my premium program is Love Life Skills for Leaders. If you want to work with me or you want to learn more about that program, you can go to bit.ly forward slash Love Life Skills for Leaders. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, at Candy Love Coach. You can subscribe on YouTube, although YouTube, I sort of lag behind. So, you know, this, this particular podcast, this video, if you're listening to it the weekend that I do it, it might be a couple more days before it's up on, the, on you know, the YouTube, on the YouTube. But anyway, that's how to get at me. I love you so much. And tune in next week. Until next time, keep being unapologetically lovable. Don't apologize for being lovable, honey. Keep being unapologetically lovable and give yourself grace. I love you so much. Bye.